Squad Radio, the music you want. With your host, Dee's Dan. Down a beer? It's 7 o'clock in the morning. Scotch? What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live in a living color from the Radio What Studios, and this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time, and if you need DJ services, where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com. One more time djlittlerock.com check availability and get a free price quote and maybe you can have me at your next event you know i like to party with the people the people need to be entertained are you not entertained let me entertain you make your next thing a big one speaking of entertainment today on the program i have jerry l Harmon, the smoky mountain gypsy This cat is a hoot. Singer, songwriter, performer. My goodness. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know him in the next few minutes. So stick around. I I want you to get to know him as well. Uh, Hey, uh, this week's shows, I do have one public show. My faithful Friday night at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. The usual uh, Friday night video dance party karaoke jam. That's the uh, from 8 p.m until 12 30 in the am at the rab in conway arkansas they got a full bar the kitchen's open pool tables they got a pool tournament on friday nights so if you want to try your hand at playing pool and possibly make some money while you're doing it while you're waiting to sing on stage you could do it at the rab in conway arkansas friday night i'll wait we got time get over there and come sing you're you're the stars of the show i'm just pressing buttons it's a little concert starring each and every one of you it's the rab conway arkansas friday night my usual friday night stop and then on saturday oh saturday i i think I'm, it's a private show at a public place but i want you to check out valhalla axe throwing i hope they don't throw any axes at me on saturday night but it's a, an event center and they also have axe throwing so uh, I'm kind of excited. I just got booked on this thing. I, I really didn't have anything to do on Saturday night. I put a Facebook message out there on Monday. Hey, anybody want me on Saturday? And bam, there, this, he, this gentleman called me the same day and said, uh, yeah, come do a show at Valhalla Axe Throwing and Event Center in Moralton, Arkansas. Ah, should I be scared? I don't know. They're throwing axes. Hopefully, they're throwing them in the other direction, towards a target. <laughs> I, I feel safe, I, I guess. <laughs> All right, that's it for the intro. Let's get into it with Jerry L. Harmon, the Smoky Mountain Gypsy. I got him on Skype, so if you're listening to the audio version, I encourage you to check out the video version on my YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Dan. Skyping Jerry L. Harmon now. Harmon, the Smoky Mountain Gypsy. I think that's a good place to start, man. What what is the a Smoky Mountain Gypsy? Because from what I understand, you're not even you're not in the Smoky Mountains. How, how do you, how does somebody? Yeah, come? yeah actually, I am. I'm uh, 
I grew up in over in nor north of here, Boone, around that area, over on the other side of the mountains. Uh, Apple Spoken Mountain, you no know, by Blue Ridge Parkway and all that. But uh, I'm a little bit out of it now where I live now, but I did grow up in them. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, that gives you a lot of country cre- credibility. And listening to your songs, man, you are are the genuine article. I'm hearing some old-timey oh, country you. music that uh, has, you've been influenced for years and years. Uh, you know, tell Tell, tell the people who is a Jerry L. Harmon. Well, you know, I grew up in a family of musicians, storytellers. My great great grandfather is credited by historians of being the original source of the Jack tales in America, such as Jack and the Beanstalk. There's a lot of those tales. Most people don't know that. They only know that one, but I know like 18. And I grew up in a family playing you know, on my uncle handmade banjos. We caught the banjos in the mountains and used groundhog hide forehead. And uh, my family played. My, my grandmother actually played a washboard. Uh, my father played harmonica, and my grandpa played the jug after he got it empty. And, uh, and I'll play guitar. And Doc Watson actually gave me the name Smoky Mountain Gypsy. So I, I carry that pretty proudly, you know. Well, that gives you street cred. If Doc, Doc Watson gives you a name, you, you better hold on to it. That's fantastic. Now, I did notice some colloquialisms. He played the jug after he emptied it. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a real good one. Uh, the banjo's good. Uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. What? I know. I noticed one of the videos on your YouTube page was you telling stories about Big Jack and Little Jack, and that's a good 11-and-a-half-minute yeah. uh, video if people want to go by and check that out but it's you telling a story about big jack and little jack is that does that have something to do with jack and the beanstalk as well or is that coincidence absolutely absolutely they're all part of the jack tales which are the best that they can be researched came from germany they started in around the black forest area the stories were called marchings and they're also uh i did a lot of storytelling in the uk you know lots of great storytellers around the world canada different places and then there are also the grimm's fairy tales some of those are similar to the jack tales just they became appalachian mountain twist when they uh, my great great grandfather council Harmon brought them here but they're all they're all the same tales it's just not very many people know there are a lot of them well how does a good old southern boy from north carolina get to go to the uk and canada and become a storyteller amongst other things uh, well i've asked myself that a few times uh you know i was standing once in venice italy i was playing some shows and uh I was in Venice, and it just so happened the only first time the America's Cup yacht race was there, the first leg of it. And I remember standing beside the the water there in Venice, Italy, watching the yacht race, thinking, how the hell does a hillbilly from North Carolina get here? (laughs) What year year was this, Jerry O'Harmon? Uh, this was, gosh, a body. I've been so many places and I drank so much whiskey so many years. Sometimes I can't remember things. But uh, I, it was somewhere around 2007, I believe. Okay. Uh, how long have you been actually doing this? What uh, what what year did you start? What what year did you graduate high school? Did you graduate from, uh, uh, from there in North Carolina somewhere? I did. I did, actually. And uh, 
I graduated in 1976 from Alexander Central High, a little town I grew up in. And uh, I, I've been playing music, my goodness, as long as I can remember. I started trying to learn to play guitar when I was a kid. I saved up a little change. We got a book that showed me the chords, and I started teaching myself. Uh, then in, in 97, 98, I played uh, a show at the Merle Fest, which is a renowned festival on the East Coast of America, probably the largest acoustic festival in the country. Uh, it was named the Merle Fest in honor of Doc Watson's son, Merle, who was killed. And uh, I met someone there and that took an interest in what I did. And then a gentleman from California, I met Damon Danielson. He helped me to get a foot in the door in Nashville and did some recording. And some people started hearing what I did and kind of liked it. And I ended up with a booking agent from New Mexico booking me a chair in Germany, playing the German American Institutes, and then went back to Ireland. Uh, I played a lot of music at these places, but also in Ireland did the Children's Book Festival, which is storytelling all around the country. And uh, things just started falling into place in the UK and Europe. And I, you know, I toured over there uh, up until COVID for like at least twice annually for the past 15 years. Hope to start back next year. Mr. Harmon, you have street cred. It sounds like you're a bit of an adventurist. You like to, uh, you say yes to things. Yeah, well, I do. I, uh, you know, I, I hitchhiked around America when I was young, just just for the fun of it, you know, just to have something to do, see what was over the next hill. You know? I tell people in their twenties to to do what they want to do uh, right Absolutely. now. You know, before you get married, go and see the the country. And if, and if you can go see the world, you know, I myself uh, took a van across country and and I appreciated that because I saw so many beautiful things here in this country, Uh, but you, you took a guitar and you played and you took a microphone, you took a book of stories and you, and you told them now uh, some of these stories, you said your dad was credited for bringing them over from Germany. It was my, it was my great, great grandfather in the 1800s. Okay, that makes um, more sense. He stories from Europe, settled in the mountains of North Carolina. My late, uh, I think, it says removed something, I don't know. I don't know what they call it, cousin removed. I don't know what to do with them. But, uh, you know, Ray Hicks was a national treasure. He's been all over the world as an Appalachian Mountain storyteller. And uh, uh, they've, they've been in my family for a couple hundred years. I learned them by a fireplace in my grandpa's old shack down in the holler, you know, when I was a kid. Well, that's what people used to do. They used to get, gather around a fire, a campfire, or gather around a dinner table and tell stories. That's what brings family yeah. together. That's how the history gets passed down. This is old Absolutely. school, and this is what needs to be what needs to be brought back. You can't read it on the internet. It's much better when your ancestors, when your the people, the older people that have have lived through it. And start to uh, to tell you the stories. You know, go to a a veterans uh, a society. Go to an old folks home and volunteer Absolutely. because you're going to learn some things, man. Mister, I had the uh, I had the most wonderful experience. I was doing a a benefit for a group of people in Ireland at a they call it nurse uh, nursing nursery or whatever. But here we call it you know seniors home. But it were people that were up in years. 
And I performed for them, and it was just great. I had a wonderful time. And they had uh, presented me with a book. It's, it's, it's amazing. Man, I have to let you borrow it sometime. All the people in that home had written a story from their past that had a major influence on changing their life. And I got a copy of that, and it's absolutely the best book I've ever read in my life. Wow. If you could find the name of that book, that would be fantastic. Oh, I, I like a book of stories. You know, I, you know me, I don't have a lot of time to read. I do this audio thing. So uh, thankfully, oh, thankfully, with technology, people have audio books. People read those books. Have you ever... A thought about making like audio books. I know that you you told at least that one story and you put it on on YouTube. But there's audio books that are itching to be read. You know, books that are itching to be read and, and put into audio form. And that could be. I don't know if that's another source of revenue, but certainly another way to get your name out to the world, Jerry Harmon. I never really thought about that. Perhaps you and I can work on something <laughs> like that. I you know the revenue. I mean, sure, I got to have a little money to live, but. Uh, the big thing with me, with storytelling, my music, whatever, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm the last one left uh, of the real the real McCoy, so to speak, of the Harmons from Council Harmon that carries this tradition on. Uh, and I don't have anyone else to do that. And, and I take it almost personally to try to share these tales with everyone I can, everywhere I can. So, Mr. Harmon, does that mean you don't have any offspring that you've told the stories to? Oh, I've told them to them, but they're not interested in it. Oh no, you got to, oh, you got to make them. You got to shake them. Yeah. You got well, to put on a hat. When, I, when they're a little bit older, they might realize this really is more intense, more you know, uh, deeper and more important than uh, than a PlayStation. Well, as old Hank said, it's a family tradition. This is how you, you're keeping your family together since the 1800s. That, as far as America is concerned, that is deep. That, you know, when we say well, something's yeah. old in America, it's 200 years old, but you've spent time in the, uh, in the UK and overseas and in, even in Venice, uh, things there thousands of years old. Oh, yeah. You know, my goodness, history, tradition. I had, a, I had a good friend of mine from, uh, in England, who told me once the main difference between the Americans and the English is they think a hundred miles is a long ways, we think a hundred years is a long time. <laughs> that is correct. You know, if somebody has a house that's a hundred years old, oh my goodness, that's incredible. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure right. staying in in Scotland, you probably stayed or or even went to a pub that was two or three or four or five hundred years old. Oh. Gosh, yeah, I, it's just amazing, as you know. I, I've played in festivals. I've played places inside the courtyards of castles that were seven thousand years old, and places in France, villages, Germany. It's just, it's amazing. I, I suggest anyone in this country. I don't care what you have to do. Save some money. Do whatever you have to. Get a passport. Get on a plane and go somewhere. Yeah, especially if you're in your 20s and un unattached. Go yes. backpack across Europe. That's a thing that used to be Go done back in the what's happening in this world. I, I was never that guy, and I knew that. I was not going to grow up, graduate from school, marry my sweetheart, and stay in that town the rest of my life. That was not going to happen. 
<laughs> that is for sure. Well, you graduated in 76. I remember 76 pretty vividly being the bicentennial of this country. And I know that high schools used to put up a lot of red, white, and blue. And, and it was, a, yeah. I, I think I was, a, oh, I was seven years old in the Cub Scouts or, or at least a, a Weeblow Scout. And I was, a, I was a camping. So I remember a lot of, of celebration on the centennial, on the bicentennial. Oh, yeah. uh, what do you remember about that time? Well, you know, it was, it was uh, a very good year for me. I, I uh, was already playing music, had been playing. Of course, in 1976, I had how down my back and was going to be a rock star, you know. But uh, uh, I remember there was a lot of great events around the country because it was the bicentennial year. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun things to see. I was young, and so I, I had a great time that year. Well, yeah. So you're already playing music. I'm guessing. Did you play in a band in in high school? Did, oh yeah. Doing like you said, yeah, rock and yeah, roll I music. Played a couple little garage bands, and uh, you know, and played. I mean, I, I grew up with a lot of older siblings. I'm the youngest of like eight of us, and so I grew up being influenced by Ralph and Carter Stanley. Ralph and I did represented the Appalachian Mountains some years back at the International Bath Festival, and uh, that was such an honor because I got this after I performed, I stood back in the wing and watched the old master out there singing Little Maggie. Someone that I'd listened to as long as I could remember and just loved his music. And and I got to actually represent this culture along with him. That, that was just such an honor. You know, I had a great time. And, uh, you know, things like that, and it's just been been a blessing. No, it really has. Well, you're a fountain of history with a lot of good memories, man. A lot of good people that you've brushed uh, across and learned from, uh, you know, not the least of which is Doc Watson for sure. Uh, but uh, my goodness, you when you're you're in North Carolina, which is a, a maybe a stone's throw away from Nashville. Where did you meet all these people? Do you, do you meet them in North Carolina? I'm sure people pass through and North Carolina might be a, a source of music. But did you have to travel to get to be uh, to get to make your music to get to record your music or to get them meet these people well it's been a lot of different situations i i uh i got to know a doc i met him the first time playing at a festival years ago and then uh, i met him of course at several other places at festivals and things through the years because uh, he was a big hero of mine and still is. I mean, even though he's not here anymore, uh, his style of guitar playing, I just loved it. The man's amazing. And, uh, and I, I tried to listen to him and learn some things from him. And what, the way that my nickname came about, I saw Mr. Doc at a festival, and he was an amazing man. If he had talked to you a few times, he would know your voice when you spoke because you were blind. And I walked backstage at the Bluegrass Festival in Georgia, and uh, he was there. I said him back there in the tent. I said, how you doing, Mr. Doc? And he said, that sounds like that old Harmon boy. Is that you? I said, yes, it sure is. He said, where you been, son? I hadn't saw you in a while. And I said, well, I just been around, around picking on this damn guitar. And he said, boy, you're just a gypsy. We're going to have to call you Smoky Mountain Gypsy. And that stuck. Uh, and uh, I, I, try, I met Doc. And then I met a lot of people on the road, and I play in festivals, different things, and also uh, have had some people that introduced me to others, and you know, I've just been very fortunate. I remember when I was young, I played for a long time, and uh, I actually had decided if I was going to stay in construction, 
I was going to get a degree because I didn't want to be climbing ladders and setting trusses when I was 60 years old. Mm -hmm. I, and then I started into college, and then I thought, this is not what I want to do, you know. And I, I, anybody should pursue what they love. You just need to do that. You only had this one around. And I thought about, well, I don't know how to succeed in music. I don't know if I can. My next thought was, well, I sure as hell won't if I don't try. <laughs> so that's what I did. That's what you did. How did you... All right. What instrument did you first pick up? Was it always guitar? Was it always a well, a man and his guitar? I uh, very young, which I didn't pursue this, but my uncle that had made banjos that I tell you about, Uncle Gene. I got a lot of comical stories about him. Maybe one day I share one with you. But I uh, he made banjos and he taught me how to play Cripple Creek on a banjo. And that's all I learned on it because I loved guitar. That's what I wanted to play. And uh, my, one of my older brothers bought me a little cheap two-tone guitar from Sears, and that's where I started. Well, a banjo, you play it with, uh, kind, of, uh, kind of looks like thimbles with with little picks on yeah. them at the end. Is that is that how you play? No, I, uh, I do a lot of flat picking. And I also, uh, when I finger pick, which I do sometimes, I don't use any picks, just my thumb and my finger. It's kind of the, what they call the card of scratch, a style of Mother Maybell. But, you know, it's the first one I ever knew of using that style with your finger picking and then strumming with your other fingers to keep the rhythm at the same time. Well, what's a flat pick? That's just a regular pick. That's just what we call it in the mouth. Just flat picking, cross picking, bluegrass mountain style. And, of course, I've incorporated that into all the things I play. I had a lot of influences. My older brothers and sisters were listening to everything from you know, Johnny Cash, Merle Hager, Chuck Berry, to the Beatles, to whatever. And, of course, I cut my teeth on bluegrass, mountain music, gospel, the Carter family, Ralph, Bill Monroe, Flatt and Scruggs. You know, that's the first things I started learning to play. And then as I grew older, I was listening to Leonard Skinner, uh, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple. So I mean, and I've had people a few times question me, say, you know, your your songwriting goes all the way everywhere, you know. And I said, well, when your influences came from Bill Monroe to Carter Family, Les Flat, Cash, Haggard, Jones to ZZ Tops to the Sex Pistols, it just happens that way, you know. <laughs> well, you talk about bluegrass. I had a party on Saturday night where uh, they said, uh, "Hey, why don't you start off playing a little bluegrass music?" And right now, the 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 state of blue grass music is kind of what reggae became where you take a pop song and you make it into a bluegrass song you could take a rock song and make it into a yeah. bluegrass song and uh you know people have that is that what you grew up with is that what bluegrass always has been well bluegrass uh, originally where it started um you know when the appalachian mountain what they call you know, the old time music, Appalachian Mountain was a mixture. People came and settled these mountains, Germany, Ireland, Scotland, you know, uh, England. They all came here and they all brought music with them. And it became a hodgepodge of all kinds of things and became Appalachian Mountain music. And then from that, Bill Monroe, with a mandolin, a guitar and a banjo, started bluegrass. And it was just a combination of all kinds of music from Europe being brought to these mountains and put together. And it's uh, someone that I admired as a guitarist and as a person, talking at festivals, whatever. Tony Rice was an amazing acoustic player. And I was talking to him once, just to pull on with something that you mentioned. 
And Tony could also play jazz extremely well. He was just an amazing guitarist. And I asked him about that, you know, it was bluegrass uh, to um, jazz, not a long stretch. And he told me, no, not at all. All those little quick 16th notes and stuff in jazz, you put a run in there, here and there, and you got bluegrass. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm fascinated by the banjo. I, I think that it's a, a very great sounding instrument. If in the right hands, it is. it is a great tool for making people feel a certain kind of way. I mean, uh, you know, I well, shoot, my first uh, instinct back in 1976 or so, uh, I had an eight track tape of Steve Martin, uh, Wild and Crazy Guy, and he yeah. played banjo on that. Man, yeah. he's an amazing player. Yeah. He does a lot with Steve Canyon Rangers, and those guys are just amazing steve's an awesome picker he really is but you you know you have a banjo uh making uncle i do want to hear at least one story uh, about you and your uncle and maybe something uh you might have gotten into together possibly uh give me one story of the banjo playing uncle or uncle gene he was he was you know he made banjos played banjos and he uh he, he loved moonshine whiskey better than peter loved the lord now he loved to drink moonshine and uh he uh, was known pretty well around the mountains. It's quite a character. And uh, one of my earliest jobs that I ever remember and actually got paid for was helping him carry sugar to a liquor still. <laughs> now, uh, sugar, sugar is uh, is very instrumental in making moonshine. Is that Absolutely. what I'm understanding? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to have sugar to make moonshine. And uh, that's what people did in the mountains, you know. Some of my, I had some family that were ministers and, uh, you know, they were preachers. Some made moonshine. A few of them did both at the same time, you know. Well, I mean, it took, uh, it's in the Bible. Well, you know, whether you, you, you know, you care to imbibe or not, uh, uh, Jesus kept that party going, you know, uh, turning that yeah. water into wine. I suppose well, that's the thing. I'm, sure, I'm sure they didn't pour it out. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, my goodness. So, uh, growing up, a, a young child, I mean, young, that's got to be influential in your in your music stylings and in your oh, in I, your music yeah, writing. I mean, I, I my last album, I, I was real with it. I was really blessed. In Europe, it went to the top 15, along with, and I, you know, Reba McIntyre, Marty Stewart, Old Dominion, uh, Rodney Crow, and, and uh, went to the top 15 of mine. My album, Walk Softly, was one of them and when i listen to um, a country or comedy all different things uh, every every show i play every and you know, every time i record something it just comes out somewhere along the line you're going to hear the bluegrass roots well i mean the state of country today uh, some people like it some people don't like it you're from you're from another time you you come from the fifties and the sixties and even earlier than that. You have influences that are so deep rooted. I don't know where the the banjo came from, what part of Europe, where where the guitar came from, what part of Europe. You know all these instruments that that go together to form a, a bluegrass band, a, even a jug that gets emptied out. How does that become an instrument? Uh, for uh, a bluegrass, for country music, uh, even uh, putting your your guitar flat ways and uh, and, and playing it as a tabletop, you know, how does all that become country, and where does where does that come from? If you know, well, you know, a lot of the instruments, um, you know, came here from. Uh, I mean, guitars and things around a long time, but you know, a lot of those instruments, like the mandolin and these things, 
They, they came from Europe. They came from the, you know, they brought them over with them. Great. I remember once I was performing in Ireland and someone called me and said they wanted me to do a three-hour radio program. And I said, if you fell and bumped your head, what am I going to do to the radio station in three hours? They told me I have help. There were five guys showed up. I have this on recording. Five guys showed up in Ireland with an accordion and a banjo. And they did these old amazing Irish ballads from way back hundreds of years ago. And it was the most amazing thing I ever heard. I know it's, I've just been blessed to have a couple of experiences like that. So there's a lot of Irish roots. There's a lot of Scottish. And, uh, you know, all started in these mountains. Now, I didn't realize how closely entwined we were until I first started touring there. When I first went to Ireland, someone that took me to watch river dance. And I was like, my God, that's clogging. That's where we got this from. You know, and, and they were doing some other dances. I was like, oh. That's square dancing, okay? And it really is amazing. And it all, like I said, they just put everything together, came up with old time, I mean, came up with Appalachian music. It was called in country music. From there, Uncle Dave Macon, the Carter family, you know, that's where it all started. And, of course, gospel's very, very much here in these mountains. You are so right. All that music that comes from the old country. My, uh, I'm half Irish, so I really uh, had a, a an affinity for my Irish roots. I, oh, I bought a I'm kilt. Sure. But even before I bought Congratulations. The- that's a beautiful place and good, filled with good people. Well, I need to get over there because, you know, I've, you I went to an Irish do. pub in, uh, well, I'm from Miami in the Florida Keys, but uh, I went to an Irish pub in Miami uh, just around St. Patrick's Day, and they had a cat there that was on a guitar and singing these old-timey songs and uh, stuff I had never heard. Of course, I was I was only barely in my 20s at the time, but he sang songs, and I go, where did you hear that song? And his whole his his whole uh, his answer was always, "I wrote it, I wrote it." You know, it's like uh, like yeah. he was the one that made it up. I know he was being coy and, and joking, but at the time, I was a snot nosed little kid, and I'm thinking maybe he did write it. Wow. You know, and he's singing, "What would you do with yeah. a drunken sailor?" and all these uh, gr- yeah. you know, great old timey songs. I know that song. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! And, you know, and to be in Miami next to the ocean, you're th- you're singing about drunken sailors. We're talking about pirates in the Caribbean, and that that's fascinating. Just th- that song sticks out of my head for sure. But what songs uh, do you uh, add to your repertoire when somebody goes to a Jerry Harmon show, a Smoky Mountain G- Gypsy show? What are they going to hear? They're going to hear all uh, originals, or are they going to hear some covers? What are they going to hear? Most of, most of my show is originals. I've been writing songs for a long time, and, and the vast majority of what I do will be original songs. But I also love to do some of the old classics, great songs, you know, that I love, love singing. Like, yeah, I, I'll do something from the Carter family, maybe the Wild with a Flower, or Jimmy Brown and Newsboy, then I'll turn around and do maybe a cover tune uh, from the band, like The Wait, or, or Marshall Tucker, or Waylon Jennings, or one of you know, Cash is those songs. I mean, I love, there's so many kinds of music that's just really great. Now, you should go with me next year to Ireland, brother. I tell you, man, I love Celtic music. They are some of the best fiddle players in Ireland I have ever heard on this planet. And it's just fun. Last couple years ago, and uh, I was 
Kill Car Festival. They invited me. It was a guitar festival. The whole festival was about guitars. And I felt so honored that they considered me good enough to be there. And I met some great players that time. And the most fun I had wasn't when I was performing, but hanging out with some of these guys with their fiddles and guitars, you know, just a crowd of us got together in a pub one night and we just had a blast. Well, that's another <laughs> instrument I'm fascinated by, fiddle. You know, the, the violin being turned into a, an instrument that I don't know if that was ever designed to be that way. Uh, I don't. I, I guess a violin no, was, was designed, you know, years ago, at least. Well, well, whatever. But yeah, I, you know, where, where it was designed and then it was turned into something else. I'm fascinated. Oh, you, yeah, yeah. You, you talked about clogs uh, and, and, and I, I'm fascinated by people that can clog and play the violin, play the fiddle, and, you know, play a little music oh, yeah. and clog at the same time. Uh, I think there's a, a girl that keeps coming up on my social media named Clug and just amazing uh, to watch her play the fiddle and clog and and keep her own time it's just and that's how you what you do on your guitar as well you know just beating on the guitar keeping time and playing and strumming beat and strum i don't do any dance i'm not that coordinated (laughs) come on you could put a a, a little clogs on and and get on a piece of wood and and dance it out i'm sure the kids will love it <laughs> i've had a lot of fun storytelling with the kids they they're they're interesting people okay but well primarily you're a solo artist but did, but since high school you had those garage bands since high school have you been in bands have you formed into in and out of bands doing shows with other people i have some i, I absolutely have some but what i i learned um Personally, this is just my experience. I got so tired and frustrated of, first of all, trying to keep a good band together, trying to get people to practice or work at it, and, uh, you know, and dealing with all the egos and everything. And, and uh, you know, I, for whatever reason, I just uh, seem to do okay as an entertainer, putting on a show, you know. I entertain the people. I well, tell them funny stories, different things. And uh, I learned that. I didn't really need the accompaniment, and I'm perfectly comfortable walking on the stage and playing for 10 people or 10,000. It just doesn't matter to me, and I'm okay by myself. So that's just what I started doing. I went full circle, came back to my roots, started writing, started doing storytelling, Appalachian Mountain stuff. And uh, I I think from my experience, my personal opinion, if I would tell any young artist starting out, if I had anything that I might share from my experience, is remember what it's all about. Be yourself and enjoy it, you know? Well, I mean, you just hit upon something. It's about going out there, loving what you do, and being you, you know? Well, you definitely just hit on, hit upon something about bands. You know, the reason that, that people don't make it in the music business, because it's hard to keep a band together. There's very few, Absolutely. you know, any more than three people trying to get their schedules together. As we get older, we try to have, you know, you want to have it all. You want to have the wife. You want to have the kids. Yeah. You, you want to start a family. You want to have. If you're going to do this full time, if that's what you really want to do, mm-hmm. 
Well, it takes some sincere dedication. It's hard on a family, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, uh, yeah. you say that you that's started. Probably a- why I'm not married now. <laughs> no, okay, so that uh, that answers that question. Have you ever been married? Has have as, as, and oh, was yeah. yeah. I've been married a couple times. And was part of the reason that it demised, if you don't mind? Uh, was it the music? No, you- uh, not really. Most of it was my insanity. But <laughs> I, I, uh, no, I stayed on the road a lot. And uh, I will be honest, at that time in my life, I just, uh, I was a good material for being settled down and married. I just wasn't ready to hang my hat on one nail all the time. Well, that's part of the being a creator, being the part of the creativity is being a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, different in the head, you know, wired a little bit differently. You're able yeah, to, you're able to take your experiences, put them into words and put them into music. And that's something that not everybody can do. Uh, only some, uh, a chosen few have been uh, blessed with a muse that can uh, turn their ideas into music and change lives. You know, you change attitudes, you change minds. It's it's a power that you have. I can't write a song, well, and, you know. I, I don't know. I've had, I've had numerous people to ask me, how do you write songs? I don't know. I hold a pencil. That's all I can tell you. well and that's another thing that tells me more that you're old school you're holding a pencil you don't do it on a computer or a phone (laughs) okay Uh, Uh, you know because a lot of kids on the back of a paper plate or whatever's convenient when i'm thinking of it well uh most of the the geniuses have in in the past if you look at history uh you know they'll write down things on whatever they got oh there's a paper napkin over there uh let me write down this theory of relativity for you oh okay you know uh let me write down the instructions on how to build a light bulb or a cotton gin or uh you know whatever uh you know how how many ideas can i find for a peanut you know it's it's uh it's amazing uh, where the uh, the lightning strikes you got to be ready for it don't you well that's it i mean if you think about it, i'll write this down later it's gone yeah I've had people that say uh, they have a notepad next to their bed because they wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, I got to write that down. And and maybe by the morning, you'll look at it again and go, oh, that wasn't anything. (laughs) Or maybe it was. Yeah, I have one. When I leave the house, I put a small pad and a pencil in my shirt pocket or something, you know. That's nice. in my mind, I need to write it down. Well, what's the craziest thing that you walked around, maybe at the grocery store or, you know, walking, uh, you know, walking around your town? Uh, what's the craziest thing that's turned into a song that's out there? Okay, I'll, I'll answer that question. I uh, I have a song on my uh, Walk Softly album, the one that did okay for me in, in Europe. Uh, and I have a song on it entitled Grandmas Are Sexy Too. And, uh, I got inspired to write that song. I was going through a grocery store, and there was a lady getting something. I happened to glance at her. She had a little age on. I thought, my God, that's a good-looking woman. And I thought, well, you know, grandmas are hot, too. So I wrote that song and put it on this album. <laughs> well, I'm sure the grandmas appreciate you, man. I, I've always oh, thought that. <laughs> I, I, I was raised by my mama, mostly. You know, as my dad wasn't in the picture. So I, I've learned that all women are beautiful. They all have yeah. that certain something thing that that every man wants you know every every heterosexual man wants that thing that beauty that's the best thing god ever put on this earth i mean you know and and a lot of guys uh you know try uh, do whatever everything that we do 
is to attract a woman uh, ultimately oh, and and playing guitar is uh is something that does that you know when the the the, the women yeah, i didn't realize that i just loved to play guitar but i didn't know the friends benefits until i started playing <laughs> well that's what it comes with you know and then uh, that's another thing that that hurts families you know with the the temptation on the road uh you know when you're out there yeah, you know, even as as old and fat as I am, uh, there's still ladies that look at me some way, and I go, "Oh nope, sorry, I'm married." You know, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, "How could you want this, really? Just because I have some kind of a talent?" And I'm sure they're coming yeah. at you uh, both ways. Well, you know, and, and I, re- I realize that. I mean, I've been out performing, and uh, you know, and and ladies would want to talk to me, but try to. But I understand something, you know. Uh, I'm a country hillbilly from back in the mountains. I mean, I grew up back in the sticks. I almost had a pack of lunch go to the mailbox. But uh, I understand that what they're seeing is something they've created in their mind. They know nothing about me. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And so and, uh, it's an image or something that they've created. You know, and, and I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. I love it. I'm grateful for it. I appreciate it. I appreciate people coming to hear me so much because without them, I can't do what I love to do. Well, that's but, just it. You know, I, I, I don't let it stroke my ego. You know? <laughs> it, it's got to feel good a certain kind of way when people uh, it does. respond, it does. when people respond to your music, you know, in any in any respect, yeah. you know, you, you, you played all this, uh, all these songs and they're singing along with you to your songs. That has to make you feel so good. That Walk oh, Softly absolutely. album. Yes. That Walk Softly album uh, released back in 2017, available on Amazon Music. Uh, you know, are, do you, uh, you know, is is music something that you're making a living at, or are you having to keep a day job to keep the the night well, job I, working? I was blessed. I've been able to pay my bills on road touring. You know, things got a little tough lately because I wasn't able to do that because I was COVID and everything. But I've been blessed. I've been able. I'm certainly not going to retire wealthy, but I've had a lot of fun, seen a lot of places doing what i love to do and made a paycheck you know well you've already made the advice to to the youngins that are just starting out do what you want you're playing music because you had no other choice you thought about doing something else you thought about being in construction or getting some kind of a degree but this music is what held you it's what kept you you know kept you sort of sane i guess uh, well, it did, I'm sure, to some degree. I uh, And I knew from a time I was just a little guy, this is what I love. This is what I wanted to do, you know. And, uh, I mean, just uh, you got to do that. You got to do what you love doing every day. Life's too short to get up and be miserable every day because you have to go do something you really don't want to do, you know. Man, I, Mr. Herman, I have heard that so many times, and I hope that people believe it. Take it to heart. You know, don't just say, hey, I'm at this job every day and I don't like it. You got to go get another job then. You got to find something else to do. There's so much else you could do than than be miserable at a job. Uh, You know, and and you are you're living the dream. You're living what a lot of people want. Uh, You know, you're making a living. You're making it in this business called show. It's, um, you know, I tell people I told somebody today you know uh at my at my day job uh hey uh 
you know, why, why don't you uh, DJ full time or why don't you play music full time? Well, because the, the, the money can be good, but the work is not steady. You got to hustle and you're hustling all over the world. It seems like every time you pick up the phone, if somebody says, uh, Mr. Harmon, you want to go here? You'll say, yes, I do. Sure. Yes, I do. I've had people ask me, would you play at this place? I play where they pay me. This is what I do. <laughs> you know? and, and it's got, well, I mean, do you carry uh, anything more than, than a guitar and maybe a microphone? What What is it you you have to bring? I, to I, don't, a, I don't take a microphone. I, I know when I go on tour, I usually have my guitar. Uh, if I'm going to Europe, I don't take CDs. I have some old dad that my colleague and manager holds on to me, holds on to for me rather. And, uh, you know, my suitcase and I even leave clothes over there. Some too. I take my laptop and that's it. I'm ready to go. You are now. ready to go. My goodness. That is minimal. And, and that means that you are ready to go in an instant that you're ready for an, an adventure. I, I, right? It makes it really easy for me. I walk into a place festival, folk club, whatever it may be. The guy run a sound, I plug in my guitar, I said, that would spend five minutes on the sound check, I'm good. You know? I don't have to worry about it. If everybody's going to show up at this or that or other, don't have to worry with all that. So amazing. The, that's that's a superpower. You know, I had, I've had guitars. They got stolen, but uh, I, I've had guitars. I did not know how to play more than two or three chords. And, and from what I've been told, you, you can get away with two or three chords in some kind of music. But uh, but no, I've never been yeah, able to. Man. I've never been able to take those guitars on stage and accompany myself. It's just not it's not my forte. It's not my talent. And it's not what I worked at. But you, my friend, have worked at that. You, you definitely have have put in some time. Did you get? Did you take guitar lessons at any point? No, I, I never have. You know, I uh, someone asked me once. They said, "Man, you, you really play guitar amazing." I had, you know, uh, uh, can you read music? And I said, "Not enough to mess my playing up." Um, I, uh, you know, I just kind of developed my way of doing things through the years. I mean. You know, I grew up in a family that nobody took guitar lessons or whatever, you know, and uh, I just practiced and practiced. And over the years, now don't get me wrong, I have learned from a lot of people by asking them how they did a certain run or whatever, get them to show me and listen to other players and emulate some of the things that they did that I really liked. But I developed the way that I play. You know, uh, I didn't set out to do that. It just worked that way, you know. Right, so and I practice a lot because I love to play, and that's part of my show. You know, I do some picking and different things. You know. Well, Mister Harmon, are you the type of person that can listen to a song and then figure it out? You know, by ear. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I run down the guitar, find what key it's in, and I'll I'll play it with you. So, all right, you've recorded a few albums. Uh, well, at least the the one "Walk Softly" and uh, that is out there on the Amazon. You got the uh, uh, "Gene Goes to Town" and and uh, yeah, that's not comedy. That's a video. If you get a chance to watch that, you'll have you'll I think you'll have a good laugh out of it. I, I recorded uh, another album some years back too. I did Dallas Texas at. Uh, Charlie Pride Studio woke up in Frisco. You know, if somebody wants a CD, in all honesty, the best thing to do is just drop me an email because I don't even, uh, I, I did the Amazon thing and all that. The thing like this, 
it's such a ripoff, and I know this to be a fact. It is a hearsay. Well, now, used to, the songwriters, whatever, they made a decent living. Now, if you get 20,000 downloads off Amazon, you're lucky if you get 30 bucks out of it. Uh, they get away with that because the Amazon CD baby, these guys, they send a nice check to the record labels every month. And the ones that get shafted are the artists that songwriters everybody else gets all the money now and that's where we're at right now i mean when i was a kid when i was when i was first learning how to be a dj it was uh you know i would all right when i was in high school in 86 uh you know i was just starting out but i'd already had a pretty good record collection and right next to the video game parlor there was a record store and every time i pulled my car in there or pulled my motorcycle in there the record store guy would poke his head out and say hey dan I got that new record. Hey, Dan, I got that new wow. album. Come and check my, he, he had my number. And I used to love thumbing through those records. And the artist actually oh, yeah. made some money off of those records. What is going on? Mm-hmm. The state of streaming these days, you cannot make a dollar. Uh, you, you, you're, you it's going backwards. Uh, it's uh, going back to the 60s. The, the people, the streaming companies, yeah. Amazon, those guys, they're making the money. None of it's filtering down to the artist or the writer. You know, uh, it's just not the way it is anymore. I'm, I encourage people to, uh, I told other artists this too, you know, get people to email you. Give me your email. Mine is very simple. Jerry, J-E-R-R-Y underscore Harmon, H-A-R-M-O-N 35 at yahoo.com. Send me an email. Give me your address. I'll send you a CD. Now, and, uh, I, I just really don't push them on any. I mean, if you want to go download them, fine. I don't care. But I mean, uh, that's great. And there's, I hope you enjoy it. But um, I don't really try to sell a lot on on the internet now because of that. You know, it's just such a rip off to the artists and the writers. Jerry underscore Harmon. 35 at yahoo.com i was writing that down for the show notes you know but i was thinking and it just popped into my head it's going backwards back in the in the 50s and in the 60s they would work artists to death they would work seven eight yeah. shows a week for a couple hundred bucks a week yeah. you know pennies in their pocket and die penniless after working all these shows Oh my goodness! And it was, and, and, you know, great performers, great artists, great writers, and they got nothing for it. And you're right; that's exactly what it's going back to, Dan. Wow, amazing! You know, and, and yeah, the only way you can make your money is, uh, you know, in the live shows. And if somebody comes, uh, you know, comes after the show and buys a CD off your table or a T-shirt or a hat, yeah. uh, you know, something you can make a couple dollars off. You know, if somebody said, uh, you know, buying a T-shirt is like uh, fifty thousand downloads on uh, some of these platforms. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. It's it's, it's insane, and I mean. There's so much now. It's like I, I was. Uh, I had a gentleman to uh, discuss with me signing a deal with me, a record deal some years ago, and uh, of course I had to sign the rights to all my songs over to this label, and I just on and on and on. And I said, I don't think so. 
you won't know, you sold right on these are mine that's some colonel tom parker stuff when uh whenever yeah. whenever they gave him a song oh no elvis got to get some writing credit credit on that <laughs> yeah colonel parker had a had a little a little scam going on you know but uh oh, yeah oh yeah uh, i i do give it up to the king of rock and roll eh? and i and oh, I, he, he was he was amazing there's no doubt about it but uh you know man, with, sing, i mean he he was a very talented man well, do you think without Tom Parker, he would have made it that far? Well, probably. I don't know the situation, but probably, probably not because he didn't know how to do it. So someone else took him and did it, and so I don't know. I think I, I think maybe uh, would have been nice if it had been a little more fair with him on his part of the money. But you know, I don't know. I get it. I mean, but the, uh, that's the the downfall. That's the business part of the show. Business is uh, whether you sign on that dotted line, whether you do give up a, a little bit of your creativity, Absolutely. you know, and you have to weigh that out. They're giving you a five thousand dollar check, and and your family's hungry, and you you see this five thousand uh, dollar bonus right here. But you, you got to pay you that. Take that money. Yeah, and I would too if I was in that situation. You yeah. know. But then well, a lot of things, you know, a lot of things, too, people don't understand. I, sometimes I actually feel a sympathy. I see young people going to Nashville, and uh, I've spent a lot of time in Nashville. I have a publisher there. I write songs, send to him pitch songs uh, for other artists, you know, commercial-type songs, but then I write what I go out and play. But I see artists go to Nashville, and they have stars in their eyes and whatever. Some of them may be very good. And they go play anywhere they can, down on the strip, you know, and uh, down on Broadway. They play wherever, it's, you know, they'll let them. And they go in there, and they play songwriters rounds, or they play open mics. And they really think they got a shot, and they might. But you're playing for tourists. The people in the record business, people in the music industry on the road at five o'clock, they get in their house, they get in their cars and go to their house in the suburbs. They're not hanging out in the pubs. And if you don't know someone or be extremely fortunate or lucky or blessing from God or whatever, you know, you're wasting your time <laughs> going to Nashville thinking you're going to jump off the train at Tucci's and get a record deal. That does not happen anymore. Well, it's the same thing with the kids that uh, head off to L.A. to try to be in the movies. You know, yeah. I don't think the movies are yeah. even made in L.A. anymore. They're made all over the world. And just like music, Absolutely. you can make music wherever you want. For for about a thousand bucks, you can get a decent amount of equipment, put it in your house, and uh, and record a song. And uh, you know what? Uh, what uh, reason, the reason I record in Nashville is I, I've played music around the world and Canada, not around the world, but quite a bit, several countries, and. Uh, I've met a lot of players, and absolutely, without a doubt, the best players in the world are the studio musicians in Nashville, Tennessee. Those guys are unreal. They make, I've been playing guitar a long time, and they make me sound like I just started. And they're just so amazing. They're the best players. So if you want to do a recording, that's the place to do it. And just, you know, I mean, I know people there. Don't, I know a few producers and engineers and guys that own studios and publishers, whatever. But, uh, you know, if you go out here, I'm not being degraded at all. I'm just sharing my experience. You go out here to mom and pops, you drop in recording studio somewhere. Mm -hmm. And as soon as somebody hears that, they're going to know that's what you did. 
<laughs> Believe me, that knows what they're listening for. You would know it, you know. Well, yeah, you're talking about <laughs> these hired guns, man, that that are at these studios, and they amaze me. I, it's amazing yeah. how the the songs oh, of the fifties and sixties, you know, at at uh, Motown, Stax Records, oh, yeah, Sun yeah. Records, it was all the same group of guys with a lead singer that was singing, that was doing all the playing on those songs. That, and those guys just so get pro- prolific. Players. Yeah, they get so prolific and they get so proficient at their songs, at their uh, at their playing that they know everybody's song at the drop of a hat. Give me a, give me about Absolutely. fifteen minutes, I'll know that song. And these guys, like uh, the gentleman who played on my last album on the guitar, Craig Lucinger, he's uh, just liking the world of his own. He he played on everything Garth ever cut in Nashville. He played on all Garth books. And these guys like him going in, and you'll sit down and play a little bit of the song. You'll play a song for a guy, charge it with numbers, number charts. Okay, play the song. Usually, the drummer, when that metadone will get the tempo. Okay, and they'll go in there and they'll play that song, and it'll sound like they've practiced it every day for twenty years. Well, <laughs> you know, it's just amazing. Mr. Harmon, you're letting people know that uh, as good as you are on your guitar and singing, you know, and you could play a song, you could play out live, but you can't do it all by yourself. You can't do all. You, you need a team. You got you got a team. Uh, in fact, uh, I got to give a shout out to Linda Arico Centeno for putting oh, yeah, us together. I definitely wanted to mention her. She is a very, very nice lady uh, working hard to try to help me. I want to start back doing some things in America. I love cheering Europe, but I miss cheering at home too yeah Amanda's working with me on that hopefully it's got to be a little easier on a body not going too far away if you could stay uh, yeah. you know in the north carolina area for a little bit and make some kind of a living which you can you know you could be in a, a party band and play a few covers and then a few originals and and that that will get you through but uh you know if you're a certain kind of person you might want to play only your originals because they just they're near and dear to you. I, uh, you know, I just I guess it's because I'm an artist and I just, uh, you know, I've had opportunities. I've had a couple opportunities. One was with a, uh, I was playing a show to Belfast Nashville Songwriters Festival in Belfast, Ireland, and I had a lady who's very well known in the music industry offered me a job coming with her and playing guitar, and she understood, and I told her quite honestly that uh, I was so honored. That was the biggest honor I'd ever had, be offered a job playing with this anybody from that family. But if all I did was stand up there and play my guitar, I would be bored to death. Understood. You don't want to be a hired gun. You're much more than that, for sure. Well, I mean, as we wind this thing down, I've taken some of your time. We've learned a little bit about you, uh, Jerry L. Harmon, the Smoky Mountain Gypsy. I want you to give more shout-outs to people that have helped you along the way, uh, be it the, um, you already mentioned the studio that uh, in Texas that you did some work on, and if there's any other studios that you uh, work with or, or any other engineers that, um, that, that have helped you along the way, I want you to give some shout-outs, and then we'll give some last words for the people, and we'll, we'll take this and put it in the bed. Thank you, my friend. It has been truly an honor speaking with you, Dan. I've been an honor to get to know you, man. I hope we can talk again. But, uh, you know, what? there's been Pat Holt, who's been in Nashville since 
Moby Dick was a minnow, I think. Uh, he's, he's done things from, you know, the Carter family, the cash to, uh, you know, Dr. Hook. You know, he's great agent. They're a great producer and a heck of a nice guy. Midtown Studios in Nashville. And uh, Bobby Kill, who was an amazing songwriter, had a lot of things cut. I'm talking about back from the time of to Tammy Wynette to Kid Rock has cut his songs. And, uh, you know... Travis Tritt, Hank Jr., Bobby actually heard my stuff. I got the publishing deal for me in Nashville. He took my album to Steve Pope, who's another guy that's been around Nashville forever, and I uh, got songs cut artists. And apparently, from what Steve told me, Bobby told him not to listen to this hillbilly. He's pretty damn good songwriter. And so that's how I got a publishing deal. And a lot of these guys like that have helped me. Dave Alexander uh, out of Dallas, Texas. Dave. Uh, produces all the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys halftime shows, and he's a great guy. He's a great performer himself. He plays many instruments, an amazing producer, plays a lot of Texas swing. So many people like that, you know, have helped me. And uh, Damon Danielson from Mountain California, you know, they encouraged me and just friends. Actually, believe it or not, some of my best support has through the years, and people just supporting me and staying up with me have been people from Facebook and things like that, you know. Well, that's the new thing is, you know, it's it doesn't yeah. cost anything to, to see an artist, to hear something, and then just go ahead and share it. Tell two friends, you know, like the old Pantene yeah, commercial. Tell two I'm friends, stupid. and they'll tell two friends, and so on. And my, my little small hometown, Taylorsville, North Carolina, those, those guys, uh, they support me. They I very much appreciate that. Well, that's good. Are there any uh, local clubs that, that people can probably find you at or, uh, you know, from time to time? You got a, a place that you play, uh, you know, maybe every Thursday, Friday, Saturday? No, no. I usually, I'm, if I'm not on the road, I'm practicing, uh, you know, riding, practicing. I've got a great vocal coach in Germany. I'm manager and colleague. We've worked together for years. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, I've been singing for years, but she is a, an operetta singer. Her and her teacher, Josephine, in Germany by the Black Forest, Susie, Susie Howe. And she's just an amazing opera singer. And I, some years back, I said, don't you teach me how to sing? And she said, I didn't know you like opera. And I said, are you kidding? I'd rather hear Cal P on a flat rock as listen to that. But if you can sing that, you know how to use your voice, so I want you to teach me. <laughs> so she's helped me tremendously. And a lady we worked with for years, she lost her life in an accident, in a car accident, while I was on cheer in England. Noelle Ringwood, and she was a great actress. Her father was a director of the theater, and she taught me so much about stage etiquette, how to work a stage, how to perform. And, you know, God's blessed me with some great people like that, and if I hadn't been for them, I would never have been able to do the things I've done. Man, that is fantastic. If there's anything that, that I've enjoyed, uh, you know, your, your storytelling, your, you know, your upbringing, where your roots are from, and your, your colloquialisms, you know, emptying a jug. and <laughs> that's, that you, You've come up, you, you may be more Southern than Southern. Here I am in, in uh, Conway, Arkansas, and, and I just did a party in Harrison, Arkansas, just south of, of, of Branson, Missouri. And, uh, you know, I, I know, I know some country, but. I I love that I love that colloquialism that that down home feel it adds flavor to a story it adds flavor to a song and it, it makes people feel good you know it makes it it, uh, it humanizes you it normalizes you make people want to 
well, come uh, get to know you, and I'm glad that I've gotten to know you. And yes, I don't want this to be the last time that we talk. As uh, as time progresses, you got things more, you know, more things to promote. You come on back and chit chat some more on the What Makes You Famous podcast. I usually like to wind these things down with last words for the people. This could be words to live by, something you heard a long time ago, maybe a mantra you wake up with every morning, or just whatever pops into your head at this moment in time. Jerry L. Harmon, the Smoky Mountain Gypsy, give the last words for the people. I think one thing, Dan, that I try to live by today is, uh, you know, and make an effort to. And my father, once I had accomplished some things, and my father is no longer alive, uh, he he was a hillbilly for sure, and uh I had accomplished some things. I nominated for a Grammy and, and uh, you know, cheered a lot, a lot of different places, played with some top acts, you know, well-known acts. Uh, and I was telling my dad, you know, what all I'd accomplished. And in his not very subtle way of just um, saying what he has to say, he brought me right back down to the ground. I said, well, boy, don't get above your raisins now. <laughs> and, so, and, I, and, I, and I think that's a good thing to live by. Remember where you come from and who you are, you know. Oh, my goodness. Jerry L. Harmon, the Smoky Mountain Gypsy. Just a good old boy playing his music, playing for the people, and saying yes to everything. I, he's Gypsy? Yeah. Adventurer? For sure. You call him on the phone. You say, hey, you want to come play over here? Uh, I'm a, uh, oh, you got a big bag of money for me? Sure. I'll come right over. <laughs> he, he's got bills to pay. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you could tell he, he does it for the love of the music. But he also, you know, hey, he's making a living. You got to make a living. But uh, adventure, my goodness, he will go. He will go to the U.K. He will go to Europe. He will go to Canada. He will go all over these United States. He will go. Just give him a call. Slide into his DMs. And uh, he already said the best way to get a hold of him. You know, it's the oldest school that we got. You know, besides writing letters, uh, now you can do emails. You know, so email him, Jerry underscore Harmon 35 at Yahoo.com. He doesn't have a website. So uh, find him on Facebook. I got the his Facebook in the show notes, uh, jerry.harman.547. Got a YouTube page. I put that in the show notes below as well. So uh, find Jerry Harmon. I got his, uh, his Amazon if you feel like buying a record there. But uh, he already said it. You know, if you want to support him better, buy a record directly from him. Send him a little email. He'll send you a CD. Heck, uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm putting words into his mouth. He might even sign it for you. Personalize it. You know, uh, it's nice. It's nice. It's nice to have that that personalization, and uh, it, it puts you closer with the artist. And go to a show. My goodness, if you're uh, wherever you are, local, go to a local show. Support your local live musicians, especially if you're in the North Carolina area. Go see a Jerry Harmon show. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry Harmon. Thanks for chatting, man. Thanks for giving me some history and some insights on the music business today. You know, I suspected, but uh, now I, I kind of know even better now. is uh, it, It's hard, it, it, and it's getting harder for uh, for somebody to sell records and make a living selling records. You know, you got to uh, go out on the road and, and, uh, and play, and play till your fingers bleed. Play your guitar. Play your banjo. 
till your fingers bleed and sing till your throat gets sore. And uh, maybe you'll make a living. Hmm. Hope it's not that hard. I hope it, I hope it gets easier. I, I hope it does. But that's hope, right? What, what is the harsh reality? Thank you so much, Jerry Harmon, for being on the What Makes You Famous podcast. Now, if you, I'm turning my attention to you. If you'd like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call, 501-470-6386, or email keysdan at aol.com. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. It's keysdan, radiowhat.com, djlittlerock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Follow Keys Dan on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of keysdan.com. Follow Radio What on Facebook and Twitter. Click on the links at the top of radiowhat.com. The music you want is on. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous and follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keysdan. Email info at radiowhat.com. What Makes You Famous podcast is a production of Keysdan Enterprises Incorporated at keysdan.com. Thank you for listening. Radio What, the music you want. With some great quotes. Talk sense to a fool, and he will call you foolish. Anonymous. The music you want. RadioWhat.com. <laughs>